Though we often hear the phrase Judgment Day, it is not biblically accurate because there are several future judgments in God's prophetic plan. These judgments will occur at various times between the rapture and the end of the millennium. The judgments are certain. There's not any one of us that are going to escape them. They will make manifest God's justice and righteousness to all the world and will silence all who have scoffed at or denied God. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue with our study on the prophecies of the Bible. We're going to be getting into First Chronicles and some books following that this week. We're going to get into that right after this. Welcome once again to another episode of Connecting the Gap. It is Thanksgiving week. Hope you guys are enjoying your Thanksgiving day and uh, enjoying some time with some family, maybe some friends, some good eating, and hopefully you got the day off. I know some people have to work on holidays, so if you're one of the lucky few that actually got to take the holiday off, then uh, please sit back and remember what you're thankful for. Uh, this life that we have and the blessings that God's given us. There is so much out there to be thankful for. We should never forget any of that. And hopefully this year, as we get into Thanksgiving 2021, it'll be a lot better situation than what it was last year as uh, 2020 was just all messed up. So I'm so glad to get past all of that and at least get back to a pretty normal year for Thanksgiving for this year. So we're going to go ahead and and get into our, our podcast here shortly. I do have a new Facebook page up for those of you that are following me should have probably have seen that by now. I sent out a lot of invites last week to uh, a lot of my friends on my Facebook page. And a lot of you have responded to that. Don't feel pressured. If you don't want to follow my Facebook page, it's not going to be a, a big deal. I'm not going to get upset over that. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to do so. I'm trying to kind of peel the ministry side of my life away from my personal life. So far, I've used my personal Facebook page to promote all of my Connecting the Gap podcast and my blogs and anything that's had to do with my ministry. And it's kind of come to the point here where I'm going to try to separate those off. But I need a following. I need you guys to like my page and share it and help us to grow uh, the ministry that we have here at Connecting the Gap. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that have liked my page so far and have listened to my podcast and read my blogs and hope you've been blessed by that. I don't really say this often, but the scripture that is uh, the motto scripture that I use for my ministry is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And basically in a condensed version of that, it says, speak encouraging words, build up hope together. No one left out, no one left behind. I picked that scripture for my uh, ministry because I felt that in a lot of cases there are some divides, some gaps in age groups sometimes, and by as far as Bible study goes and and what people's knowledge are of the Word, and sometimes it seems like a lot of people teach way up really high over your heads, and others are more down in the basement where the the kids and the children and youth are at. And a lot of times in between, there's not really much out there as far as studying God's Word and just having a, a, a good source for biblical teaching. And I don't claim to know everything, but I do uh, 
just enjoy giving you what God puts on my heart each week and going through these studies. And hopefully you guys are learning from these as well. Uh, so my Facebook page is facebook.com slash online. Or you can go to at ctgaponline to get there as well. That's my actual ministry Facebook page that I have now. Also, don't forget my website, connectingthegap.net. You can go there and get to the Facebook page also. All my podcasts, my blog, and my YouTube channel, everything is there as well. You can subscribe to any of those, and you'll get notifications as I upload new material to those channels each and every week. So we have made it all the way to First Chronicles as we have started at the beginning of the Bible and we are going through the prophecies of the Bible. And this week's going to be a, a pretty interesting week as we get into First Chronicles here. So we're going to go ahead and get started on that and uh, go ahead and, and get through the study for today. We're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. It says, Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. God does not, will not, and he cannot forget his covenants. That's the first thing that we want to emphasize this week as we begin our study. His covenants are as valid today as they were thousands of years ago. He always keeps his word. The covenant God made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac were confirmed to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting or an eternal, forever, never-ending covenant. Israel will inherit the land of Canaan. Today, many people make the mistake of thinking that the church has replaced Israel because of Israel's sin. And we've talked a lot about Israel's sin here over the last few weeks. The unconditional aspects of God's covenants are not dependent upon the faithfulness of the Jews. They depend upon the faithfulness of God, His character, holiness, truthfulness, memory, power, and all the other aspects that makes up the, the Trinity. Since God does not and cannot lie, the covenants are binding upon him forever. For sure, Israel would break the covenants, but God knew that before the foundation of the world and his eternal plan included provision for it. Israel can be forgiven just as surely as a church member can be forgiven. The nation can receive a new heart just as surely as the most evil person on earth can be born again. Instead of replacing Israel, the scriptures say that he will save Israel, keep his covenants, and the Jews will serve him. God has made some precious promises to Christians in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, and all his promises to us, you can guarantee that he is going to keep those. He promised forgiveness of sins, to raise us from the dead, to give us eternal life. It is good to remember God's promises, and like Israel, we should remain faithful to God. That God has made distinct promises to Israel isn't really the point here, though, that we're trying to make. That God remembers his promises to Israel forever isn't really the point either. The point we're trying to make here with this is that Israel and the world should know that the Jews will get the land of Canaan. God is always mindful of his covenants, and they will be fulfilled. God's covenants to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob many descendants are constantly being fulfilled even to this very moment. His covenants to give them all the land of Canaan will be fulfilled at the second coming, and Israel will occupy all their land during the millennium. 
Notice the words, I will. They indicate God's determination to bring these things to pass. Many people don't know about these covenants. Many don't think that they're really all that important. And many doubt that they will really be kept. But as we know as Christians, God never goes back on his word. As we continue into 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 31 through 33, there's a great day that's coming. And we'll read that here. It says, Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Then the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. King David had brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and the Jews were in celebration mode. They were so excited about having this Ark back. It was a great day in Israel, and as the people rejoiced, they began to focus on the greater day that is coming. It will be a sad day for the lost, but it will be a great day of celebration for God's people. The Lord will reign and judge the earth, the lost will be purged from the earth, and the saved will enter into the millennium. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's in 1 Corinthians 11.31. Christians believe they will not be judged for their sins because they have practiced a form of self-examination. They have considered their sins, searched their hearts, repented, examined their faith, seen their need for a Savior, and they have accepted Jesus. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Those are very familiar verses there from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Now, Jesus talked about a time when everyone will be judged. There will be no place to run, no place to hide, no way to escape. Every person will reap what they have sown. Every deed will be brought into judgment. And the seven groups to be judged, we're going to go through here in just a moment. Jesus will judge the nations at his second coming, and he will reign on earth during the millennium. There are seven judgments of God, and we're going to go through those here uh, briefly as we continue this study. The first judgment is going to be for the deceased Christians. They're going to be judged on their works. They will be judged after the rapture, and they're going to be judged for their rewards. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians 3, 11-15, Romans 8, 1, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and Ephesians 6, verse 7. The second judgments are the deceased Old Testament saints. They're going to be judged for their faith in Messiah. They're going to be judged at the second coming, they also are going to be judged for rewards, and you can read about that judgment in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The next judgment of God is the deceased tribulation period saints. They're going to be judged for their faith in Christ. They will be judged at the second coming as well, and they will be judged to raise believers. That's in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. The next judgment of God is for the living Jews. They're going to be judged for their faith in Christ at the second coming, and they will be judged to purge unbelievers. That's the, the weak going to be separated from the chaff. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 33 through 38. 
The next judgment of Christ, of God, is going to be for the living Gentiles. They're also going to be judged at the second coming for their faith in Christ, also to, pur- to purge unbelievers. The set of scriptures that backs this up is in Joel chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, and Revelation 3, verse 21. Another judgment of God is for Satan and his fallen angels. They're going to be judged for rejecting God, and this is going to take place after the millennium. They're going to be judged in order to destroy fallen angels. And you can read the scriptures about that judgment in Matthew 25, 41, 2 Peter 2, 4, Jude 6, Revelation 20, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians 6, 3. The seventh judgment of God is for the unbelievers. They're going to be judged after the punishment for rejecting God's millennium and the millennium. And they're going to be judged for the degrees of Luke. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 12, 47 through 48. You can also read scriptures to back that up in Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. So that's the seven judgments of God that will be taking place in the future. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, 11 through 14, we read about a double prophecy. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him. As I took it from him who was before you, and I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever. His throne shall be established forever. So here David wanted to build a house or a temple for God, but God would not let him because David was a warrior who had shed the blood of men. But God assured David that after his death, one of his sons or descendants would succeed him on the throne in Israel. God says David's son would build him a house. God would establish his kingdom, and David's son would rule over it forever. Since Old Testament times, scholars have said this is a double prophecy, or it has a double meaning. In one sense, it refers to David's son Solomon, who succeeded David on the throne and built the first earthly temple. But in a greater sense, it refers to David's descendant Jesus, who is building a spiritual temple and kingdom for God. It is his kingdom and reign that is going to be established forever. In the sense that this prophecy refers to Solomon and the earthly temple, it has been fulfilled. Solomon succeeded David on the throne, and he did build that first temple. But in the greater and more significant sense that it refers to Jesus, the spiritual temple that he is building for God, and the eternal kingdom God is building, this prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. The temple and kingdom that will last forever are the ones that Jesus will rule over. H. Wayne House has been quoted saying, At times a given prophecy may have reference to more than one future event. When this is the case, the term often used to describe this phenomenon is double fulfillment or double reference. Other terms, dependent on the particulars, might be multiple fulfillment with more than two instances in view, or progressive fulfillment, indicating that the prophecy is not static, but finds fulfillment in a succession of events. So that's going to wrap up this section of our study, 
And we have been going through the books of history. And we have wrapped that up here with First Chronicles. And that actually has taken up our time frame for this week to get through all of that. And so we're going to call it good for this week. And we'll come back next week. And we'll be starting into the books of poetry on a little bit of a wrap up here for what we've studied um, throughout the books of history. Uh, as we remember at the very beginning, Hannah's request for a child was answered by God when Samuel was born. She turned him over to Eli the priest to raise in service to God. Her prayer of thanksgiving ends with the prophecy about the second coming of Christ. He is God's anointed or God's Messiah and King. That was in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We also went through God making a covenant with David to let his descendants succeed him, to make them a dynasty, and to let one of his sons, Jesus, rule over the kingdom forever. While on his deathbed, David said that he had not been always faithful to God, but he knew that God would keep the covenant because it is an everlasting covenant. That was in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and chapter 23. We also talked about Solomon built the first earthly temple and God was pleased. He even assured Solomon that his kingdom was secure if he and his descendants remained faithful. But God warned Solomon if he or his descendants turned away, the kingdom and the temple would be destroyed and the Jews would be ridiculed all over the world. That is, is what we studied as we went through 1 Kings 9. We also went through those who think God forgets his covenants are wrong. He will never forget them. So the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the others will be fulfilled. A thousand generations can pass, but God's faithfulness will not change. And finally, we went through the, the, the subject matter of a kingdom requires a king. A king is coming to reign over an earthly kingdom. He will be a descendant of King David and his kingdom will last forever. Those there we just went through as we studied First Chronicles this week on Connecting the Gap. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And as I said, next week we will get started into the books of poetry as we continue through the Old Testament, studying covenants and promises that God made throughout His Word. And we are sailing right on towards Revelation. It's going to get real interesting as we get into the New Testament chapters and books and we get into Revelation and all the things that are prophesied there about the end times. Again, go to my website, connectingthegap.net. You can subscribe to my blog, my podcast, and my YouTube channel. Also check out my new Facebook page that I have dedicated now specifically to Connecting the Gap. That's at facebook.com slash online, And that link is also on my website as well. Please share and please subscribe. Please keep me in your prayers as I continue to uh, go on with this endeavor each week and share God's word with you as I learn together with you here on Connecting the Gap. As I leave today, remember that God's word never fails us. God's word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap.